My guest today is the chief executive officer and co-founder of Tenzo Tea, a matcha green tea company based in Los Angeles. He attended UCLA to play volleyball before dropping out in his last semester to go full-time into Tenzo. No doubt it was a great decision. Now Tenzo Matcha is one of the most notable tea companies in North America. He loves reading, writing, walking, and learning, and is also an avid writer in the entrepreneurship space. Introducing Steve Odell. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. You're listening to the Blessed for Success podcast. Steve Odell, thanks so much for coming on to the Blessed for Success podcast. Uh, really great having you here, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. Um, all right. So I want to kick this off the way I always kick this off, which is, you know, at this point in time, um, you know, when you and I are recording, there's obviously a lot going on in the world right now. But in the middle of all of that, at, at this point in time, what are the things that you feel most blessed for? Oh, definitely my family, uh, close friends, and I think um, just the greater uh, human spirit right now. But um, obviously, there's a lot going on in the world, and I've gotten Interestingly enough, a lot closer with my family in the last two weeks because um, work has taken a little bit of a backseat and things that really matter are really pushed to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And what are some of those realizations that you're kind of coming to with? Um, so for those listening right now, when, when Steve and I are recording, um, you know, obviously the the current pandemic right now across the world is is, is occurring right at this time. And so most of us are being kind of staying in our homes, uh, not heading outside too much. So, I mean, Steve, how has that affected you personally right now? Yeah, well, like uh, like you said, I'm just, I'm at home. I'm in my apartment on, in Santa Monica. Um, it's a, l- a little bit different. And usually I'm out and about working in coffee shops and um, yeah, just a lot of solitude and isolation, but a lot of time to FaceTime with uh, parents and brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. No, that's amazing. Family time is, is always good at a time like this. Um, and I mean, so Steve, I discovered you through LinkedIn. Uh, you post very actively every day and uh, always get attraction on a ton of your posts. And then, you know, by exploring um, kind of what you're all about moving further, further, um, I discovered that you were the CEO and, and co-founder of Tenzo T. Uh, and this is a brand that I heard about a long time ago. Like this, when I discovered you, um, I, had, I had already heard about the brand Um and, you know, so that was kind of cool. And then just reading certain parts of your story were, were amazing to me. So you and your co-founder, uh, Robbie Page, started this company together. Um, and I just kind of want to know what what your, what the inspiration was for starting Tenzo T and, um, and where the, how that all came about to start. Yeah, great question. So let's give a little bit of background. Um, Tenzo is a matcha green tea brand. Matcha is just a type of powdered green tea. It's very healthy. It has a little bit of caffeine, less than coffee, but it gives you energy for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so really this, this started out of a, like one simple Google search. And um, literally I was sitting next to Rob and I had already had like five cold brews today. My stomach was all upset. I was in that like crazy jittery mode. And um, then I Googled very simply, what's the healthiest form of energy? 
and I discovered matcha and, and um, so then I tried it and uh, Rob and I tried it and made a really big impact on our life. And then, um, then we started thinking about the business side and we saw that there wasn't a lot of competition yet. The market was super new um, and we really had a chance to build something special. And so it fit our need. It worked for us as, as human beings. And um, we thought other people might want that too. And, and then we bought 50 units and kind of, uh, you know, 50 units becomes 100 units and that becomes 200 and, and the rest is history. Yeah, no, you guys have definitely and, you know, I'm sure recently as well, um, really accelerated your growth. Um, and one thing I wanted to know, I mean, when I came across you, you were posting, you know, consistently and such, but the post that really stood out to me that eventually led me to reach out to you was, um, I think you wrote about taking your first like business plane ride, like your first plane trip. And prior to that, you were, you know, going on trains, sleeping on trains and traveling around. Like, what's what's the story of growth around Tenzo and, and what were some of those early struggles to, to building the company that you have now? Well, I mean, we didn't have like a prior business that we founded and then sold for a hundred million dollars. It was just like a college dropout and a professional volleyball player. And um, so we didn't have access to a lot of capital. So we had basically no money. And um, even when we first got a little bit of money, it was just like, you can't spend it all. And there's a lot of, a lot of constraints there with capital. Uh, but I mean, yeah, we would take bus rides to San Francisco. We would, we would do this trick where we have like, we got these important VCs and people in food and beverage, their emails. And then we'd, we'd send them an email like, Hey, we're, we're going to be in town on this date from this window. Like, is there any chance you could possibly meet? And sometimes they would say yes. And then if they said yes, then we'd get on um, one of those overnight mega buses from LA to San Francisco, get there the next morning at like 6 a.m and then hang out like in a public area because we didn't have a hotel or anything, take the meeting and then get on the next Megabus back to LA. Mm -hmm. So it'd be like a $40 trip both ways for Rob and I. And um, we'd get to have this incredible meeting with someone that can that helped out a lot. And that actually did pay out, pay off a ton. I mean, the, the grind pays, right? The, yeah. the, the work definitely pays, um, but it does take time. And, and you guys have been working out on this, working on this for a long time. I mean, you dropped out of UCLA, right? What, what, what eventually, I guess, got you to make that decision? Because that's a pretty big decision, right? What was the catalyst kind of getting you across the line to say, all right, I'm ready to put my heart and soul into this um, full time? I just had a lot of things that were kind of percolating at the time, and I I didn't know exactly which one was going to be was going to actually come to fruition. But um, no, it was just a, bit, a really big bet on myself. It wasn't like this one instance. It was like a lot of these things that kind of happened over a series of time. It wasn't like a oh I read Steve Jobs biography and then I dropped out of school. It's like I read I did read that, but then I started like several companies. If one of them failed. Some others worked really well, but I wasn't a founder. There's all these like things that I was working on. And once I got to the point of where I felt really comfortable with my skills and what I could do, mm -hmm. I wanted to put um, maximum pressure on myself to try and learn um, without making like a terminal error. So like, you can always go back to school, you know, mm -hmm. you put, so um, yeah, go ahead. I was, was going to say, it just sounds like you've always been entrepreneurial in nature and actually like, sounds a lot like me. I've, I've you know, taken a lot of stabs at, at different entrepreneurial ventures in the past. Some have been successes, some have been failures. Um, and, you know, curious to know just how you've managed that whole entrepreneurial journey. Like, do you always feel like you just need to start something and, and move forward with it? I mean, now you've built a sustainable business, but um, 
in the past were you always just taking stabs at different things and kind of seeing what sticks yeah yeah well how old are you i'm 24 now okay yeah so you're a few years younger than me one year about two years younger and so when I was your age and when I was your age, Tenzo was like just starting. But when I was in college, I was doing like a million different things. And then even in high school, I was always up to stuff, up to something. Mm -hmm. um, in high school, I had, I was managing like lawns that I was mowing and I would shovel driveways, you know, all that stuff to get consistent income. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I really think it's about trying as many things as possible until you find something that sticks. Mm -hmm. And then um, once you have something that sticks and you built up some skills from all your other efforts and you mm -hmm. can really make a big impact. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you and you and Robbie have built this together and you guys have built a strong team around yourselves. And um, one thing I was curious to know is, you know, I know you and Robbie played played volleyball together. You guys talk about that a lot. Um, but one thing I want to know is kind of what were your first impressions of each other? Uh, if you can kind of speak on Robbie's yeah. behalf on that side. No. And then um, as well, you know, how did you guys know that each other was the best partner? Because I find that that's, that's really difficult for a lot of people now, nowadays. I know, I know that's two questions, but, um, you know, a lot of people find difficulty in trying to find the right partner that'll help them moving forward and the right business partner. And yeah, I just want to know what your thoughts are there in those two areas. Right. Yeah, I mean, I do... First of all, how I met Rob, I mean, I was 12, um, Rob was 14 and, um, Rob was like six foot five, you know, he's seven, he's super tall. And, um, I was just a little guy and then I knew him for six years through high school. And then we went to UCLA together and Rob and I have gotten along really well the whole time. Our personalities mesh super well. We're great teammates. We get in arguments, but they always work themselves out, you know, we're not holding this resentment or grudges or anything like that. We, we both have our best, each other's best intentions in mind always. Mm -hmm. And, um, but going into like, and I think that's a very, very special thing. I think we're super lucky and I, I fully acknowledge that. But I do think that finding your co-founder or business partner is really, really critical. Um, and there should be some time and consideration that goes into that. And, um, but again, like, I'd like to go back to the dropping out analogy. Like you don't just meet someone on the street and then raise a million dollars and then, you know, make a billion dollar company and you get to know people over time and you earn trust over time and you develop ideas over time it's, and those things just like being, allowing yourself to take the time to figure these things out and, and do them the right way is really important. Mm -hmm. And through all that, I mean, obviously we've, we've talked a bit about the struggles that you guys went through, you know, while building up the business, how have you keeping yourself centered, you know, cause I know this is what you're about. This is what your brand is about. How do you keep yourself centered throughout that whole process just to make sure that, um, you know, you can always come back with energy towards your business or right. yourself? good question. Well, luckily Tenzo is clean caffeine, you know, so we got a lot of good energy flowing all day from that, but, on the staying balance side, I think like it's very hard, especially as a young entrepreneur. And I think that there's a lot of people that are telling you to like work super hard, like leave it all on the line, you know, and there's that kind of mentality. And I was definitely drinking that Kool-Aid at one point. And I'm not saying like, don't work hard. Definitely. It takes a lot of hard work, undoubtedly, really hard work. But at the same time, you need to really prioritize the things that are important. And so I went through this process of, like habit tracking. I looked at sleep and diet 
and exercise and meditation and tried to figure out how much of each of those things do I need a day to perform at my best. And I realized that I perform a lot better the next day if I sleep more than seven hours. If I meditate for more than 20 minutes, I'm much more focused. If I meditate at the start of like a long block of work time, then I, I'm much, much better through that time. And likewise, if I eat um, a really healthy salad or something that's super lean versus like going out and eating a big meal, I'm also, I don't get that lag, you know, and there's all these things and being super aware and noticing those trends in your body um, and being really diligent about them and act, then acting on them has been super helpful to me maintaining balance there. But if I had to give one simple habit to all the young entrepreneurs, I would say, turn off your phone and literally just sit, sit in a chair for five to 10 minutes to start and don't do anything and see what comes up. And um, it's a really powerful exercise. So meditate. It is. It is a really powerful exercise. Like I, I use a headspace uh, here and there to meditate, but lately I've kind of just been trying to put that over even that to the side because when you're kind of stuck sitting there with your own thoughts, it's, it can be a tremendously powerful. Like you start going through so many things like revolutions in your brain. And sometimes it's actually overwhelming I find, but it's good in the end. It's yeah. yeah, that's very good. You know, like that, that sense just means you're working through a lot of things and it's mm -hmm. not bad or good that you, that you are It's just part of life and something that you need to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big advocate of stillness and stoicism and, you know, just taking a lot of time to think. I think that's very important. You you mentioned uh, stoicism in there. For those uh, listeners that don't necessarily know about it, can you discuss it, how you came across it, and, and you know, how you've been applying it to your life? Yeah, of course. So I, I came across it um, from Marcus Aurelius when I was actually in high school. I read his book, Meditations, um, and it gives a very good insight into, into life and how you should prepare your mind to confront I think life and so basically the theme is that you take a step back from life and nothing is essentially and there are there are a lot of schools to stoicism um, but it just basically means taking a step back and not getting too emotionally invested in any one one like one specific thing let's say okay. um, and keeping a level head I think um, a very simple analogy that me and uh, one of my buddies have in LA is happiest person in the world and so if you try to live your life as the happiest person in the world, you're going to make sure that you spend time with friends and family. When you go to work, you're going to be focused. Someone honks at a traffic intersection. You're not going to let that disturb you. You know, you're going to communicate super well, like having a refined idea of like what that is and your own inner bubble of peace. And then protecting that is, uh, is just like a, a good little analogy for everyone. Try to live your life, life as if you're the happiest person in the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, Stoicism is something I discovered from Tim Ferriss. Um, I can't say like I consciously practice it, but there are certain elements of it that, you know, stick out to me for the one being, you know, one thing that I've always been a proponent of and, a, and an advocate of is just like, don't worry about things that you can't control, you know? Oh, yeah. The, this, this virus, this, you know, all the toilet paper disappearing from grocery stores, like whatever's going on, that's not necessarily things that we can control, right? We we just have to do our part in controlling what we can't control. Are we, 
you know, keeping ourselves healthy inside? Are we doing the things that we're that we love that we're passionate about? Are we staying close to the people that we're connected to that we're that we love? You know, are we doing the things that fulfill us? Like these are all things that we can control. And I think that people lose sight by paying attention to media, to paying attention to news, this, that, just in general, because those are all things that we can't control, right? Exactly. I, I love that. That's a, a great, great lesson from stoicism. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so one thing that I'm very curious about for you in particular, Steve, actually, is, you know, you've been building a very successful personal brand on LinkedIn. You're probably one of the most active people I've seen on there, uh, posting different things about, you know, Tenzo, your story, uh, entrepreneurship, um, just things in general, you know, has that translated to your business significantly? Like, what's that relationship between your personal brand and your business? And why are you choosing to invest so much in your personal brand? I'm curious. Yeah, so good good question. One, I mean, it does make a massive impact. Like we have our, our largest investor was a cold, was an inbound lead to me from LinkedIn. And it happened to be like highly, perfectly strategic, um, like aligned investor. It's amazing. Wow. Um, and that goes back to the philosophy. Like if you put yourself out there into the world and like your true intentions and your real self, you're going to, you're going to start building your tribe and other people that believe the same things as you do are going to start talking to you and reaching out and you're going to start interacting. And there's a lot of symbiosis there. Mm -hmm. And, but the reason why that I'm doing it is first of all, I'm a pretty young guy and um, I am a, a huge believer in, in really focusing on things that compound over time. Right. Your network is one such thing. Right. So if I don't have, a world-class network, I know that it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a long, long, long time. So one of my, one of my mentors, and I've, I've, this has obviously been like a journey for me too, and I'm just figuring it out, but I used to post on LinkedIn really just to like see if it would drive sales for Tenzo. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> when I did that, we didn't really get that many sales. And I was talking with the mentor about this and we were talking about where do I want to be when I'm like 70? If I want to be able to help the world at a very large scale. I want to have a world-class network and I need to be taking the steps right now to put me in that position in 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. So just being really disciplined and diligent about taking the small steps every day to meet new people and engage and post on LinkedIn um, is going to help me be where I want to be way down the line. Right. Right. And so, you know, you used to post about Tenzo to drive sales. What, what, how did you switch up the strategy though? What was the kind of advice from a mentor that you got to say, okay, this is how we're going to change things to um, make it more about my network as opposed to my business? Yeah, so it's just a more balanced approach. I think it's about like trying to figure out what are what beliefs do you want to target and then how mainstream and large are those and then you really just kind of say them. I don't know. It's It's not like... I don't have like a complex strategy. It's like I have things that I believe in that I'm passionate about, like humanity at large and giving and good leadership and building companies and, you know, helping underserved communities, which one thing I don't post about enough, but I think it's really just about putting your values out on the line. And um, that's pretty much it. I think that the people who struggle to write things on social media probably just don't know that much about themselves or they're not truly as aware um, as they think they might be. Right. 
And in the middle of all that, I mean, you already have a master network. You're already um, close to a bunch of people. But now correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I definitely think I saw this. You met Jeff Bezos and I like, what's the story behind that? Tell us the story and, and how that came about. Yeah, yes, I did. So you're not, not, not wrong there. It's actually a pretty, pretty gnarly story. So I'm a freak journaler. Um, like I am very religious in documenting my life. And um, yeah, one, have you ever heard like um, of the concept, the law of attraction? Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of. Yeah. Yeah. Super weird. Right. So I, I heard these weird stories from other one of one of like other of my friends and they would say, like, yeah, I wrote down these lists of idols and then all of a sudden I met this person and I thought it was baloney, you know, and I, I'm kind of like skeptical of the woo woo stuff and I'm a, a big believer in action. But mm-hmm. point being, I wrote down one night five people that could impact my life, um, like on a massive scale, you know, like idealistic people. One of them was Jeff Bezos. And um, literally like two days later, I was walking along the boardwalk in Santa Monica and I saw Jeff Bezos right there. <laughs> Unbelievable. Two yeah. days later. Two days later. That's yeah. Insane. 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 So I played it super cool. Didn't didn't talk to him right away. And then so I walked immediately past, like I thought to myself, like, you know, I gotta be respectful, humble, and just kind, you know, not rude and or, or like overbearing. And I didn't want to be like a fanboy, like, oh my god, Jeff Bezos. You know, so yeah. I just went up to him, said like two words, super respectful, and then that was it. And I called Robbie. I was like, Rob, I just met Jeff Bezos. And Jeff, Rob was like, what? That's amazing. But like, did you do anything about it? And I was like, <laughs> no, not really. And then Rob was like, oh, man, well, like you just kind of wasted a huge opportunity. And then I was like, crap, like I did just waste a huge opportunity. And so I got on a bike, went back to my office. And then made Jeff a package and wrote him a letter, like back to where he was. And then coincidentally, I was planning to like go up to the front, like the front desk of the hotel where I thought he was staying and just go up and say, I have a package for Jeff Bezos. And what happened was as I was walking up to the front door, Jeff walks right out at the exact same time. What is going on? That's two times in the same day. Two times in the same day. I coincidentally ran into Jeff Bezos. That's nuts. That's, I can't, man. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's wild. Yeah. That's the universe work. That's, that's, that's like you attracted that into your life. And, you know, that's the universe, um, you know, speaking to you in some way or form, man. That's insane. It is. It literally is. And so then I gave Jeff um, the package of Tenzo and the letter. I wrote and it was just very kind and I had like a 10 minute conversation with him this time. We spoke about Tenzo and I told him all about the matcha, yada, yada. My story as an entrepreneur, I dropped out of college and um, yeah, he really liked it. And then I was walking home from there, freaking out and (laughs) he emailed me a picture of him drinking the matcha and then another one of him saying like, no regrets with a bunch of exclamation points. Why he said that was because the letter I wrote him referenced this um, sort of obscure philosophy that he has called the law of regret minimization. Mm-hmm. It basically just means that when you're 80 and you're on your deathbed, you're going to look back on your life. And you, the things that people do not regret are the actions and the chances that they took. People always regret not going for it, not starting a company or, or a 
asking the girl out or whatever that is, or really trying to win, what, go, just going for it, you know? Whatever you want in life, go for it. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that is the Jeff Bezos story. I'm still processing that. Like you, the opportunity to get even five, even a minute with, you know, a guy like Jeff Bezos and speak to him. I mean, you got a solid 10 um, and he actually had your product and um, you know, that's huge. That's massive. And that's taking advantage of the opportunity. And um, while you didn't do it the first time, you did do it the second time. And um, you know, I think that definitely shows that sometimes you just got to go for it. It's what you just said. You just got to go for it. And and see what happens but you did it the right way you know you weren't overbearing or anything like that you did it the right way and i'm sure that's still something that you think about every day right it is it is a crazy thing to look back on mm-hmm. I hope it's one of those i think i will um get in touch with him actually pretty soon and um there's a lot of things we could work on obviously so we'll yeah. see but hopefully the universe connected us for a reason yeah hopefully it would be it would be awesome to see that uh that partnership keep flourishing, you know? Um, now it's what, what was the, where was the inflection point for your business? Like where was the time where you were, you guys were, you know, struggling and really having trouble, um, kind of getting by to the point where you were like, wow, this thing is, is really growing, um, and taking off. Where was that point in time? Yeah. Super good question. I mean, I think we've had a few of them. Um, the first one was when we were just a few months in, we were actually working out of this coffee shop, like right by our apartment. Most of the time we were trying to sell matcha online. And one day walking home from the coffee shop, we were like, Oh my gosh, you could sell matcha in cafes. And you know, that might not, that doesn't sound that revolutionary now. Cause you, you probably see it everywhere. There's a lot of matcha cafes. Starbucks has matcha now. And a lot of the independent cafes have it. But three and a half years ago, that didn't, it wasn't there. It was not around. It didn't exist. Not in, not in cafes like, like we know now. And so that was a, a major turning point because then we unlocked basically a whole new channel in food service and really saw that, really grew that. Um, the second point was when we learned how to spend paid media. Um this was like, it was a very good thing in the beginning and then it turned into a big learning lesson. And the key learning lesson was like, paid media is great. You can't build a company on it per se. Mm -hmm. And you should really focus on building organic audiences, building customers that love you, want to buy your product again and again and again and again and again until the end of time, until you can effectively delight customers. I don't believe you have a true business. We're going to see that play out with all these companies that are VC backed that are now tumbling. Um, if you're buying customers, you don't have a business, right? You can buy some customers, you know, but yeah. don't buy a lot of them. Make sure yeah. that you buy just enough so that the viral coefficient goes over one, and then you just explode naturally thereafter. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's like that philosophy, or I think it was based off a book, One Thousand True Fans. Have you heard of that? Yeah, exactly. I think that is that a Paul Graham reference? I think so. I'm, I'm I'll have to backtrack. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes if I can figure it out. But um, I just listened to Tim Ferriss talk about it a lot. And, and you know, he mentions when you're starting a business, a podcast, whatever it might be, um, you know, the first in terms of marketing or in terms of growth that you should get to is 1000 true fans, which is, as you mentioned, it's kind of like 
fans that are just loyal, um, who will stick around you no matter what, and, and who will be by you no matter what. And then once you get to that 1000, um, that's become, becomes where it's really the turning point because you found kind of like a tribe to help you grow and, right. and flourish moving forward from there. I love that. It's something that we're, so our business, we have done that really well with, I think our, our food service locations and, and we're trying to do that better every every day with e-commerce, but we have like a really, really strong Facebook group of tens of tribe members now. And it's like super engaging. They're very supportive of each other. We share a lot of recipes and things like that. And from a business owner perspective, like they help us build the company. And, you know, we're super grateful that they want to take part in our mission. And it's um it's an awesome thing. But I would highly encourage anyone who's just starting to really, really hone in on that. How have you developed that? Like, what is, what are the, if you want to get into the nitty-gritty a bit, just the tactics about, yeah, you know, kind of putting together a tribe for your business, for your, for your passion, for your movement, whatever it might be. Like, what are, what are you guys exactly doing um, that complements the business? Yeah. So I think, well, first of all, we talk to our customers a lot and in a really simple, that's the simplest way to do it is literally you want to know why they're buying your product. Pick them up and call them. Shoot them an email. You know, no, no pressure. Give them a coupon or something for their help. But I think it's really just about talking to them and then making sure you have the tools in place to do that. So we do it on Facebook group. It's super easy. If you're in our, like, so let's say, funnel or you submit your email on our website, then and you subscribe to our product, then you automatically enter the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like it makes you feel like you're a part of something. Um, it's, it's honestly a really good thing. Mm-hmm. It, at any point, I'm just curious, at any point throughout your journey with Tenzo, did you ever feel like you were going backwards or, you know, maybe just not experiencing what you thought you should? And, and Oh, yeah. That? Yeah. I mean, that's the, this is like my first serious dive into business. And like, there's tons of mistakes, you know, it's in a lot of the times it feels like, well, one step forward, two steps back. Two steps forward, oh, great. One step back. Two more steps forward, five steps back, you know? And then it's yeah. like that, that consistent balance. But those moments um, are learning lessons. And mm-hmm. so for us, it's always been just about always getting better and learning. Whenever we feel like we're taking a two-step back moment, that action gets like very uh, diligently recorded and and analyze and so it's well understood and then we just do something different mm-hmm. and so, what, what were some of those biggest steps back and how do you got how did you guys after those steps back bounce back <laughs> yeah great no great question one of the biggest ones we made in the early days was trying to do like this really large like retail launch which we don't even sell in retail like right now you know and we're right. like 1000 times bigger than we were at this point and, uh, you know, like we contacted all these companies. We were going to, like, I don't know, we were about to order, like, 10,000 units. And then it just got to the point where, like, oh, my God, like we don't have the cash for this. There's, like, so much money. The minimum units were so high. Mm-hmm. And we essentially wasted, like, three months preparing this whole thing to not even launch it. Turns out it was the wrong business decision in the first place. You know, and I learned a, a really good lesson um, about this and the way to sum it up in one sentence is that if you want to solve more complex problems, you need to solve really simple problems first, especially in business. Like a lot of people jump ahead to like, what is our, like, what are these Facebook ads going to say? 
when in the in the beginning it's like what is your product what are your unit economics how do you optimize like really those two things um and then you can solve more complex problems but like you don't need an erp you don't need like a these advanced web designers doing all these things you just need really simple steps and then this this allows you to solve more complete more complex steps and it, it just keeps adding on right and what's for Tenzo in particular, um, you know, this is an opportunity just to, to chat about more about what the benefits are and, and, you know, what it can, what it can help do. Um, Tenzo, like you mentioned at the beginning, like you used it for, for energy purposes, right? And now just from your customers, like what's the feedback that you get from, from the people who take your product? Oh yeah. Recipes. Uh, you know, that's like one of the, the biggest things. Everyone loves making a lot of recipes with it. So it's a really cool thing about our product is that it's a very high quality mantra and you can mix it with tons of things. So it tastes great by itself with just water. You can make it with basically any sort of milk that you want, an alternative milk like almond, soy, or oat, or you can use whole milk. You can make it hot. You can make it cold. You can make cocktails such as Moscow mules, matcha martinis, Tenzo tonics. Um, nice. You can put it in cakes and cookies and smoothies. And so it really lets the the person um, creates a routine or habit or, or really just any sort of consumption habit um, in any way that they want. And um, so we've seen a lot of people sharing really cool recipes. Um, and honestly, it's now that everyone's home and the group's like picking up, everyone has like spare time and is like looking for things to do around the house. So why not make some cool recipes, right? Yeah. Why not get, grab some of that tea? If you're listening, you got to grab some of that Tanzo tea, get that energy, get that yeah. productivity up while you're inside, do something special, do something great. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what it's always all about. Um, no, that's, it's, it's really amazing the story and, and how you've been able to, to build up Tenzo for, for anyone that's, that might be in that position where they're, um, you know, starting a product based business right now, or, um, what were, if you could go back, I guess, if you could go back to when you started and do maybe three things differently, right? What would those three things be if you could? Yeah. This is always a hard question because every failure has a very valuable learning lesson attached to it. Of course. Yeah. So if I could keep the learning lesson and just remove the failure, it would be definitely one would be focusing on unit economics more. Two, it'd be prioritizing what sales channels we're going to target first. And three, it'd be um, further specified customer early on. So we believe for too long and tried to market to too many people for too long. We should have been focusing on this one core customer. Um, I call her, we call her Ruthie G internally. Um, but um yeah we have a very good idea of who that is right now the other ones were cash related um making sure you always have enough cash on hand to develop the right products and things like that mm -hmm. i've i've been watching a lot of shark tank recently so i'm curious if you ever at any point in time thought about going on those shows no 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 i i don't believe i mean i don't really believe in shark tank but mm -hmm. um, maybe as a marketing thing but honestly probably never i i'm a really big believer in focus and strategy you shouldn't be going on Shark Tank until you can delight a thousand customers. In my right. life, you shouldn't be really going on Shark Tank until you can delight like a million customers and you should only use it as a, a marketing stunt, not something serious. It's definitely not the cheapest way to raise money for your company. 
Yeah, no doubt. And you're giving away a lot of equity in the process. I was I was having a conversation with a friend about that the other day. And yeah, you give a lot of a lot of equity uh, away in the process sometimes. And that's not so great for your business if you can just, you know, get it to a point where you can do that yourself. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's perhaps another really good lesson for anyone just starting is like conserve equity at all costs. You don't need to raise money from VCs. You most likely don't even need private angels. You know, take it slow. Hmm. A lesson that should be more widely taught is that founders are rewarded for their patience in scaling, not founders are rewarded for raising a bunch of equity money, diluting themselves, and then walking away with pennies on the dollar. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, what are you, like, what are your plans? I mean, you don't have to give away everything, but you know, yeah. where would you like to see Tenzo in, you know, five to 10 years? Um, ideally I want to double or triple our revenue, um, every single year at the low end. So five to 10 years, that puts us in some pretty high revenue numbers. And, um, I think we have everything, everything in place to do that, frankly. Um, I hope that I'm able to develop a lot of these like crazy ideas in relation to Tenzo, like, cause we're thinking very long term and we're dreaming very big. And, um, so yeah, I hope we can do that, but I think we'll be a lot bigger, we'll be a lot. We'll be in basically every grocery store, cafe and, and distributor in the country. We'll be on all the third party marketplaces. We'll definitely be all over Canada in five years. Um, yeah, just selling matcha to the people, you know, and bringing the healthy energy and, and, um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of stuff there, but I don't want to go into too many details, you know? Yeah, yeah. I can law be civic off the off the public air. <laughs> law of attraction, my friend. Like you, you know, you mentioned it earlier, and it's one of those things that even even in my life, I see if you just obviously there's got to be some sort of action plan behind it. Yeah. But if you put it down on paper or if you manifest it in your mind, um, I mean, some of the world's best athletes like make that happen, right? Um, Oh yeah, McGregor, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, um, you know LeBron James. These are all guys that have, you know, literally manifested what they've known all along that they were going to be successful in, in that form. And I think it's the same for you, to be honest. Exactly. Yeah, you've got to do it. I mean, if you want to be on that level, then you just have to have the law of attraction. Whether or not you get to that level, you know, is fine. But you're going to be a lot further ahead than you would be if you didn't. You know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, one other question, you know, specifically along the LinkedIn side that I had for you was obviously you post a lot on there, right? Yeah. Uh, do you just kind of, I post a lot on there as well. I post there almost every other day or every day. Um, and I used to, at the beginning, write a lot of things prior and then just post them each day. Now I just kind of go day by day. How do you, when it comes to knowing what to post, do you kind of just put up what's what comes to mind or, or how do you go day by day um, when it comes to building your personal brand on LinkedIn and how can those listening uh, really build their brand on there as well? Great question. I think it, how many followers or connections do you have right now? About 4,000 right now. Awesome. That's a, that's really, really good by the way. So growing a social media following, I think is a lot like growing a company and for example, what, what I mean by that is the principle of scale is very important. 
So how the network and the social algorithms respond when you have 4,000 followers is much different than when you have 40,000. It's much different than when you have even 20,000 and 1,000, 2,000. You have every doubling point, mm-hmm. there's a difference. And so right now, I'm just posting as soon as things comes to my head. Every time, anytime I'm inspired, um, it's not like I, I'm not, I don't have a methodical plan. I'm not bucketing content, none of that. I have a pretty good understanding of who I am as a person. I think I can write and articulate those ideas in a way that is compelling to other people on LinkedIn. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. It's not, I'm not like, I'm trying to be very much less robotic about it now and just very free flowing and making sure my voice as a human is most important and really at the forefront and the ideas are at the forefront and, but I would say in the beginning, it's all about honing in your content. Mm-hmm. You need to, you really need to hone in the content. So when you're at 4,000 followers, you really need to pay attention to, does a picture work better than text? I'll tell you right now on LinkedIn, it never does. Pictures yeah. and videos never perform as well as text. Short form text on your feed is much better than writing a long form post. But if you look back at my early LinkedIn profile, like I tested all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I really honed in on just text posts and then the length of text posts and then all of that. Yeah. I've noticed recently you've, you've switched to more kind of shorter and succinct and, and you were writing, uh, kind of a while ago, more longer posts, but, but definitely I'm at the point where still like kind of experimenting and, and for some part, like for some content purposes, like it just might be, oh, I took a photo of this today and it gives me something easy to put up and write about it, you know? Right. Um, but one thing I've also noticed is that like, you just can't get caught up in what you're posting all the time. Like not everything is going to stick. It, it's the funny thing is the things that I don't think are going to get any or, you know, much engagement at all end up getting the most. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, the market decides at the end of the day. Exactly. Like I also, if when you, right now you make, make sure you're saving every single post mm. and recording the numbers that they have, because that is how you will understand what posts are going to perform well. I would actually say like, I can tell you almost within like two minutes, how many, how well a post is going to do. Wow. It's, like, it's very clear. And if you post and you don't know how it's going to do that, that honestly tells me that you do not understand your content enough. Mm-hmm. just being real with you and i would tell this openly to everybody yeah uh, but like that's the key it's like making sure you get so good at that and then once you do mm-hmm. roll that out and like right now i'm trying to focus on arc making a massive database of omni-channel content it's like those short quips that i've been posting yeah like i'm gonna be really good on twitter down the line and all these other places yada 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 yeah yeah i don't i definitely i'm not at a point where where i fully understand kind of what my content strategy is or what my uh, specific messaging is. I kind of do. Most of it is geared around the podcast and, um, you know, my personal stories. But in just in terms of what works and what doesn't, that's definitely something that I'm I'm still discovering. Um, That's okay. Like, I definitely want to steer away from the the notion that you should feel guilty for not knowing. Like, really, no one knows. Like, I I only have an idea, too. We're all living under these hypotheses and these tests. What you just you don't want to get into feeling guilty because then that you may stop trying to ask yourself that question. Right. It's really about leaving in the question. And right. as you keep writing, like these things will just flow out of you. You'll become very honest and you'll you'll understand. And then you'll be like, Oh, I have a slightly better idea. 
but then you'll have new questions to answer. And so there's always that balance. Mm -hmm. I'll keep you posted on how it goes for sure. I'm going to use some of that advice. I definitely haven't been saving the post, so I will do that. And, and I'll, I'll let you know that's uh, going for me, but thanks for the great, you know, conversation today. Thanks for being as open as you have been. Um, obviously we're, we're all still kind of staying inside. So, um, in the midst of everything, I appreciate you jumping, jumping on this, uh, the, 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 the way I'd like to end this off, which is how I always cap, um, cap an episode is at this point in time, what does success mean to you and what will it mean to you moving forward? That's a super good question. One I think about kind of often, um, I think it's really, uh, depends on the domain. For example, like success to me is treating my loved ones well and, you know, being a good member in my community. Success can also be running a good marketing campaign or making a LinkedIn post. It can be smiling at your neighbor when you walk past them on the sidewalk. Um, but I think it's really about just comes down to happiness and, and living a good, fulfilling life um, where you make a positive impact on those immediately in your environment and the world at large. Beautiful. That's beautiful, man. Where can where can people find you, Steve? Um, and how can people get their hands on Tenzo? Yeah, LinkedIn, definitely LinkedIn. Um, if you're in Canada, you can get Tenzo on Amazon. Um, if you're in the US, you got to go to our website. But we're also in cafes and things like that, too. Yeah. Yeah, I will definitely put the link in the show notes for that. Um, put the I'll put the Amazon link for for Tenzo and um, Steve. Again, it was great uh, chatting with you. I hope we can chat again in the future and and uh, you know continue to stay in touch uh, as we follow each other's journey. So would love to. Let's let's talk. do that. Recap, yeah, recap podcast in a few months. We'll Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Sounds good, my man. You uh, you know be safe, stay healthy, as I know you will. And uh, thanks again so much for coming on the Bless for Success podcast. Likewise, have an awesome day.